Welcome back, everybody, to the Go Blue with Stu podcast. Today, we got one of my 0809 backcourt mates, David Merritt. David, I appreciate you coming on, man. How's it going? Everything is well, man. I appreciate you having me on. Isn't it wild to think about how long ago that was? It was a very long time ago. <laughs> Seems like ridiculous. a lifetime. I, I was like bringing back memories in preparation for this episode and just forgot like everything. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we did what? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was uh, Coach Beeline's second year. Um, and it definitely does seem like a lifetime ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I want to get into that and some Coach B stuff. Um, but before we do that, I want to talk about the current team. You said you've watched a little bit of it. You know, quick thoughts on, on some of the struggles and some of the positives. Like, what have you seen? Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone would have expected the start um at, at, that they've had uh but I do think I think you get you get so used to winning um that sometimes you forget how hard it is especially with transition and you have uh different people coming in you got a lot of young guys um you did have uh, able to bring Hunter and, and Eli back but it's just it takes time to build continuity um and I think that's the hope here especially on the defensive end um, cause I think that's, that's where, uh, the team hopes to have is a, a lot of improvement is in addition to the three point shooting, but, you know, defense all, is all about effort. It's all, all about, um, teamwork. It's all about communication. And a lot of times you, you have new pieces, uh, it, it's tough to breathe, to build that continuity. So I think, um, you believe in, in the culture that's been set and, and you know, that they're going to get better and better each day. Um, you know, hopefully the ceiling is still as high as as we thought it would be. Yeah, um, that that is the hope by the end of you know the Big Ten season that they're they're playing well. I think that's the best time to play well is, is in March, heading into the tournament, February and March. So hopefully they can continue to improve, start to get some good wins under their belt. Um, but you look at the 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 schedule and you look at the games that they have won. You, you don't really see a signature win just yet. Yeah. Um, so hopefully they can they can have that uh, come soon here in the Big Ten season. Yeah, definitely. And like I've talked about it over and over on this podcast with other people and like defined roles is something that is so underrated. And like mm -hmm. our team in 0809 wasn't as talented as this team, but we had defined roles right out of the gate. Like, yeah. you know, I came in as a freshman, like if I wanted to play, I had to find role. And a guy like Caleb Houston's coming in, his role isn't completely defined. Like he's got to find his foot and he's got to find his yeah. confidence um, and then find some of those confidence defensively. Like yeah. people have been talking about his defense and stuff like that's, that is stuff that you got to figure out. Like you're not going to get 10 games in the year. Like I got lucky in times. Uh, Cause that was like what I focused on. If I had to do both all the time, yeah. it'd been ridiculous. So yeah, yeah, give this team some patience and, you know, continued patience. I think guys are, you know, Michigan has high standards. So they're like always like, yeah. well, what are we, what's going on? It's like, this, these things take time to build. Like you see with the football yeah. team, like it takes years sometimes. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's an important point Stu, that you make. Um, I think players and coaching staff are, are still finding out what players can and can't do. Uh, and that's helpful when defining roles. Um, and when you have such talent, uh, sometimes uh, you think you're going to have uh, certain skills uh, in, in different areas. So they're still figuring it out and, and got a lot of time to do so. Um, so, so we're hoping for great things still. Yeah, it's, uh, it reminds me of the literally first drill, first rep of the first drill of my first practice. And Beeline called me soft. 
And I thought we were like, kind of like half-assing it a little bit. And I was like, oh, okay, so this is how it's going to be. And then looking back on it, you know, like junior, senior, I was like, oh, freshman, sophomore year, like he had me pigeonholed exactly what I was going to do. And like, this team doesn't have that. Doesn't have that. That's a luxury, honestly. So there'll be times. But I wanted to ask you, uh, because you, your journey was very interesting in basketball. I want to start out, like, what made you try out junior year? were, Were you practicing at all freshman and sophomore year with them? Not, well, uh, so my dream uh, from a ninth grade uh, basketball player, uh, very short, not 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 incredibly skilled, but I, I wanted to be a Division One basketball player. My my brother um, was first team All State his senior year. I was a freshman, um, and so I made a, a decision and a goal as a ninth grader, like I was going to play Division One, and. Uh, worked my butt off, worked my tail off every single day and got good, but didn't get any division one offers, but I was fortunate to get a scholarship, an academic scholarship to Michigan. So I was just like, I'm going to make the team as a walk-on. Like I'm going to school, but school secondary to me making the team. Hmm. And so uh, I, that third year that I made it was actually my third tryout. Gotcha. I, tried, I tried out two times before, felt I had played well enough, had gone to open gyms in the summer, um, had had made sure that the, the staff knew who I was and I just wasn't coming in for tryouts, but I was doing everything I could to to really cultivate a relationship. Um, but it wasn't until that third year that I, uh, I actually made it. Um, but it was a goal of mine ever since the ninth grade. Dang, I had no idea it was that intense. And like to yeah. think about your journey, try out, try out, try it again, finally make it. And then fifth year, we make the tournament for the first time in however many years, like yeah. that's a that's a that's like a cinderella story that's like rudy has nothing on that <laughs> so the, thing, the thing was when, when coach v came in uh he also didn't guarantee any of the walk-ons a, a spot um or cj kind of got his guaranteed spot but for me uh i had to try it again i had to try it a fourth time even after i had made the team that's yeah stay on the team uh coach beeline's first year yeah, yeah no that 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 uh that adds up with all the standards that he had for like in those years that he, I think he relaxed them when I graduated, but all the standards and everything that makes complete sense. You yeah. couldn't even practice until you finished all your raps and everything. It's yeah. just yeah. wild. I don't think any coach in the history of basketball has ever done that, but uh, yeah, yeah, that adds up nice. completely. What, what was your transition like um, from Amaker? And then like the first few weeks with Beeline, we were like, okay, this is different. Like, where, where did you see that? Um, I think, uh, of course the things that we were working on were, were kind of like totally different. Mm -hmm. Um, especially from a skill development standpoint, I I remember our first practice. Um, so this is a little bit before you got there. So when, when the transition happened, um, the team that was already in place had our first practice and literally for like 45 minutes, we're working on scoop layups and um you know passing and catching the ball on two feet and you know everyone's like what is like what what are we doing like we know how to make layups and we know how to pass the ball um and so immediately you know everyone's like i I don't know about this um but you kind of quickly saw even when you you took those those little drills and then you started playing, you could kind of see what he was saying because 
in the game or when in a scrimmage or just playing open gym, like when I caught the ball on two, I was better prepared to do things. Like, and I wasn't mm-hmm. traveling. And, and, and so you kind of quickly saw, oh, this donut and this waffle actually works. <laughs> um, and so I just think that, uh, that those weird things that you were working on, um, you could kind of see in a game setting why it was important to work on. Uh, so it was just a lot of different attention to different to, to different activities, different skills um, that you quickly saw uh, when Beeline came in. You guys finished that year, Beeline's first year, uh, winning five of the last ten. You made like a lot of progress and looked pretty good. What was that like? A point of buy-in uh, in terms of like a team? Like I can see like you buying in earlier, being like, okay, I'm seeing some progress here, but. As terms of like a whole team, did you feel some sort of buy-in, or did it take a did it take a little bit of time with Beeline? I would say it was two things. One, we played, we were in a lot of games, um, but we had these like four-minute lapses and stretches where our mind just left us, and uh, we would lose the game. And so um, I think we were learning how to lose and also learning how to win at the same point in time. And so I think that was, that was key. Uh, and then in addition to that, uh, Coach Beeline's perspective and his, his, his sort of attitude, I think was extremely helpful. Um, you know, his, his mantra, let's just get better today, I, I think held true, especially with a lot of those losses where you didn't feel like it was the end of the world, even though you were 10 and 22, um, you felt like you were improving. Uh, just yeah. by him, him being able to kind of put it in that, you know, day-to-day activity, activity, practice to practice perspective, I think was really helpful for our psyche um, to not be um, just, just to still have hope that we were, we were doing something positive. Uh, so I think it was those two things um, that kind of led into some of the momentum uh, mm-hmm. to when you and, and, and Zach got there. What was that first year like? with like the culture change. I know in my first two years, the big thing for Beeline was him still changing the culture. Mm-hmm. And like, there were guys still left over that were Amaker guys. And I think there was some, you know, heads butt there at times, you know, what was that like the first year? Was it like patience or was he coming in day one, like, you know, buy in or get out? I think there was definitely some of that. Of course, there was some turnover. Uh, yeah. He does things in a very specific uh, way. Um, didn't necessarily connect with all the guys. Uh, we had people that ended up leaving at the beginning. We had people leaving uh, towards the middle. Um, but I think overall, I think uh, I think there was buy-in, even though um, the system was different. Um, I think everyone respected Coach. I think he was. Um, still down to earth and, and mm. cared, showed that he cared about you as an individual and not mm-hmm. just he was a basketball player. Um, so I think it was, it was at that point in time, it was more on individuals taking accountability and responsibility for, yep. um, it was more like the players as opposed to necessarily creating a team culture. It was how can we buy into to being team oriented, but also, also holding ourselves accountable and holding each other accountable that I think um, worked for his, his first few years. Yeah, that was huge. My junior year, we made a turnaround with Tim and Darius, like 
when the players realize that like when we start taking responsibility for ourselves and quit pointing fingers, we can actually win some games and be good. So like coaches do have a, a massive amount of control in college basketball, but the players have to realize like, oh, I still have responsibility to to win games and buy in completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was looking back and I totally forgot that Ekpe left. Mm-hmm. And I was I was like, damn, we, that team would have been I could have been even better. Do you ever, like, what was that news like when you when you found out he was leaving? Yeah, um, I, I'm, Epe was actually uh, in my wedding uh, about a month ago. Um, so me and Epe are, are, stream, are still extremely close. Love that. My brother, but um, so I was so I knew pretty early on that he was he was leaving. Gotcha. Um, but it was it was tough, right? Like we did everything that we could to uh, to keep him here. Um, it just, it just didn't work. And, uh, he felt that, uh, you know, in a different environment his uh, his game could, could expand and he could be doing more. Um, not that, I don't think that it was that he didn't have the opportunity to, but I just think he was looking for a different environment, but it was, it was tough because we were all close. Um, and, uh, we wanted, we all wanted him to stay, uh, but we just, we couldn't hold on to him. Yeah, no, I mean, he did damn well Baylor and then post Baylor I think he, he he did just fine but that would have been a lot of fun to play with him especially like defensively when you know yeah all the pressure that we had on the perimeter like to guard and like get up tight and like get yeah. around screens and like if you knew Ekpe was back there it made it yeah. so much easier Not, nothing yeah. against Deshaun or Zach or anything but Ekpe was a different defensive animal um yeah. I was picturing us and like sometimes I'll go back and look at the UCLA game and I have a freaking bowl cut and you I was do. thinking about you like do. You, me, I got you and CJ walk-ons that got scholarships and Kelvin and me. And it was like, we have had one of the least intimidating backcourts <laughs> in all of the big 10. <laughs> and how did we beat these teams and still, still win? But I never like went into the game thinking that we were not intimidating, but the other teams had to be looking at us like chop liver. Well, uh, I think you're, you're selling yourself short. Um, you, <laughs> know, you. You, were, you were, you were pretty good even as a freshman uh, and had a, a really great career for, for anyone's standards. I think you're, you're selling yourself. I think selling you and Zach and, and even, you know, CJ and Calvin, I, I think we, um, we played extremely hard. We knew our role. Um, and I think we, we prepared. Uh, and so um, you knew we were going to give 40 minutes of, of our all. And, and a lot of times I think that that um, is taken for granted. And um, I, I think that year, we were not to say that we were, we didn't have, I mean, we lost 14 times. So it's not to say we were, we were perfect or anything, yeah. but um, we were a team. And uh, a lot of times when you have a, a close knit team that um, believes in itself, uh, you can do some, some amazing things. And I, I think that's how you go from 10 and 22 to, you know, 21 and 14 and, and a second round uh, close loss to, to Blake Griffin. And, and yeah. Yeah. I, that year is obviously highlighted by making the tournament after so many years. But for me, the biggest thing that stands out is that UCLA game and it like proving to us that we can do it. And if we do it the right way and like we would have a bad game and even in the back of everybody's mind, even though it's unspoken, like, okay, we did this before we made the mistakes. We didn't make the mistakes that game. We got to go back to where we were then. Like for me, that UCLA game is top five of my career, maybe even higher than that. I I don't know where that stands for you. Um, but that was like a big pinnacle of my career. Did you, was that as, as fun for you as it was for me? 
It was, man. And it's like, you just look at who's across from you. You're like, man, we, we beat Darren Collison, NBA player. We beat, you know, these guys at Madison Square Garden. I think that that's what really made the moment. It, it was, it was on the world's biggest, biggest stage. And um, you got so many Michigan fans in the New York area that just made it extremely special. And I even look at the second game, which we lost, uh, I think by double digits to Duke, but it wasn't like we weren't supposed to be there. Right. Mm -hmm. so like it wasn't like the moment was too big for us. They, they played better than us that night. But I think those two games kind of solidify for us. Like if we bring it, we can pretty much play with anybody. Um, and I think that sh that showed itself throughout the year. We, we had a very tough schedule. I think we, we played at Connecticut at the time. They were the yeah. number one team at the num number one team. Um, so we played a very played Duke again, beat them at home. Um, so I think, I, I think you're right that UCLA game, uh, proof to us that, you know, we could win basketball games that year. Yeah, definitely. What two quick anecdotes. One is that I made Drew Holiday's highlight package from that game for the draft. And I was like, yeah, we won that game. So I didn't feel too bad. And the second one was that I think it was coach Jack got the Duke scouting report for our game at, at Madison Square Garden. And it was glowing for like every player. And I was like, oh, damn, like they take us seriously. Like I didn't know what to expect because I'm just a young kid coming in. Yeah. You don't expect. I was like, oh, we're like we're serious. Like people yeah. respect us. Yeah. And I mean, even Duke. And I was like, OK, this something can happen here. And that was like another big uh, light bulb moment for me. So that, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, looking back on that year was, was pretty crazy and going through the stats. Did you know that we like set three point records, like in attempts and makes and everything? I didn't realize we were doing that. And on top of that, you are our best three point shooter. Well, <laughs> now that you can't shoot, but it was like, oh, like, why didn't we let Dave shoot more? The thing was here, uh, real quick story. So, so Pat Beeline at the end of the year, I think I was up to, I was up to 40%. I was shooting 40% from three. And I'm just feeling really good about myself. I don't shoot a lot of them, but I feel good mm -hmm. about my percentage. And he's like, we're going into the tournament. He's like, you know, the tournament's different. I'm like, what are you talking about, Pat? He's like, you know, those two, to, those one to two three pointers you make like a game, like you're not gonna make those. Like it's a different atmosphere. <laughs> it's, it's a different atmosphere. Pat, what the hell? And uh, I went 0 for three during the tournament from three, and I dropped my percentage. I think I finished at like 36 that year. Uh -huh. um, but I was much better until the tournament, man. I still remember this. I still remember. Pat. That's that's cocky, Pat, because he did it in the tournament. And he wants to remind you how hard it was for him, how good he was. Oh, man, that's funny. Yeah, that game, Clemson was – that tournament was, like, eye-opening for me. We lived across at Clemson, and they were one of the most intimidating lineups that we saw, and then we got in the game. And it was like, do these dudes even know how to play basketball? It was really bizarre. Like, I feel like we should have won by even more – yeah. Um, you know, Oklahoma was very different. They were intimidating, good, and they knew what they were doing. But yeah. that first game, uh, yeah, I was like, we won that. And I was like, I wish we just didn't run in Oklahoma. I feel like there was other teams that we could have beat and made a, like a, a real run. Yeah, I mean, but to be honest, like, I think we were up by one point at half against mm -hmm. Oklahoma, down by one point. Our whole team was in foul trouble um, <laughs> and still had a shot. Like, so – uh, as good as that Oklahoma team was uh, with Blake, like it's not like they just ran us off the floor. No, no, definitely not. Definitely not. But 
yeah still i don't know i don't know if it was my i don't know it was just seeing blake griffin and knowing <laughs> he had that infamous picture a uh, dunk on zach and then he hit his head on the backboard at one point i think during our game and i was like this is just a little different like there's just a little bit different level but, but it's a tournament so you can still win um but yeah, is there any like other memories? The, the UConn game, I just forget the, the Duke game was insane. You know, and I, and I forget too that the, the one thing that haunts me, this memory, it always plays in my head. I watched this highlight of our game against Michigan State. Mm -hmm. I think it was freshman year. Pretty sure it was freshman year where I threw a lob to Petey. Yeah. And Darrell just grabbed his jersey and they highlighted it. They did like a... Uh, color highlight and they showed it and then Pete yeah. just I threw the pass off by like a half a foot yeah. and it was there and I was like but you know what that set up my shot my junior year to like beat them and like make it even yeah. bigger so I was like I don't know <laughs> give or take yeah, there that, but I think that was your sophomore year but uh, okay, um, okay okay but uh but yeah like for me um I think we started 13 and 4 and so we're feeling really good about ourselves mm -hmm. and we just hit a stretch where um, we just weren't playing great basketball in the big 10. And uh, even though we had those two early wins against top five opponents, um, it got a little dicey whether or not we were kind of headed for the tournament. And I think the best part for me that year is anytime our back was against the wall and we like had to win a ball game, we won that ball game. Uh, and it was multiple times throughout the year. I remember we had to win versus Penn State at home. We had to win versus Purdue. Um, and then coming down the stretch, we had two road games, Wisconsin and Minnesota. Um, and we kind of had to win one to, to make sure that we were going to be headed to the tournament. We didn't win at Wisconsin, so played well. But that Minnesota game is also one uh, because we were down, I believe, like 15 points in the second half. Um, and like every moment that we had to do something that year. We had the mental fortitude to do it. Uh, we came back and won on the road that last uh, regular season game and then uh, beat Iowa in, in the first round of the Big Ten tournament. Mm -hmm. um, but that's what's special for me is like, you got a team where not a lot is expected of the team, um, but anytime we, we were against the, the ropes uh, we fought back and, and we, we won or we, we did something that we no one expected us to do. Uh, and that's what's special for me, even looking back, what, 12, 12 years, 12 years uh, is, uh, is that special bond we all had uh, by, by playing that year uh, together as a team. Yeah, it, it's the most fun being an underdog. And I think to that point, my sophomore year, we went in ranked and like the biggest compliment to you and to CJ as well is how horrible we were that year. And we're like, where's Dave and CJ? Do they have a six year of eligibility? Please bring them back. We need some help because we just, we were lost. We were completely lost and we never, I mean, I appreciated you, but like we didn't appreciate you guys as much until sophomore year. We were looking around and like, what's off, like what's missing, we should be better. And we weren't. And like, that's the point, kind of what the team is going through this year, I think. And it's like, you're dismissing those solid pieces, leadership, guys that are doing the right thing. You know, how was that for you, your senior year, you and CJ kind of leading, but you know, 
not expected to produce. It's a very interesting position to be put in. And I've been put in a few times. Um, and sometimes, you know, I've been in it where I've been overseas and coaches are pulling me aside and they're like not playing me more than five minutes. And they're like, you need to talk to the players. I'm like, how are they going to respect me if you're not putting me in the damn game? Like they don't care what yeah. I'm doing. And so I, I thought of you in that sense, like what was your mindset and what was the struggles dealing with that sometimes? Yeah. I mean, uh, for me, uh, it was totally different than high school where I was, I was the best player and mm -hmm. I was scoring 25 points per game. I knew like my, my max, even though I felt like I could, there were still things I could do that I didn't accomplish at Michigan from a personal standpoint. Um, at that point, it was all about the team and it was all about how can we make sure that you guys are ready and prepared to give it your all. Um, and so, and CJ was, a, was an amazing example to just follow, but um, every single day you kind of have to answer that question. Like, are you willing to, to be your best today? Like, is this the day where you're gonna slack off and, and not bring it? Um, and I can honestly say for that entire season, every single day, I was the exact same person. Like, mm -hmm. I was the exact same. And I had to make the decision every single day and knowing like, I think I averaged two points. I know I averaged two points per game. Um, so I wasn't necessarily contributing, you know, much to the, to the score, um, but it was being willing to say things when it's uncomfortable to say things to people that you know don't necessarily respect you from a, from a, from a basketball standpoint, right? But still, but still being willing to say them because you know they need to be said. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the role that we just committed to. Where, you know, I I can remember a few times where I, I said things that weren't popular to say, um, but I was kind of going to be the only one willing to say it. And whether they like you or not, it is what it is. It needs to be said. Yep. And um, those types of experience also like helped me even today, even today in, in the organizations that we run and the times in which you have these uncomfortable moments where, you know, you know, you're going to be the only one or, you know, it's not popular, but you know, it's the right thing to do. I can look back to that Michigan experience and say, you were willing to do it there. Why can't you do it again? Yep. Even if it makes you uncomfortable, these are the things that need to be said. Um, I don't remember much about school, but those moments are like a daily nugget for me to go back to and still utilize to this day. Like, it's incredible. It doesn't even no, make any sense how much sports and basketball kind of show up in your everyday life. For sure. It's all the time where there's something I don't want to do. And I'm like, damn it. I've done it before. I know what's right. I got to do it because I did it before and I got to stay consistent. And it is, it is one of the most difficult things to do. And like your position is, was unenviable and you came in every day and were consistent. And that was like the big thing with you and CJ. It was like, well, they're showing up. So I got to show up and that would put pressure on the next player. And that would put pressure on the next player. And like, it was un that unspoken, like you guys definitely did speak up and say things that were needed when it, people didn't want to hear it. But for me personally, it was you showing up every single day, doing your job, not getting the shots, you know, 
maybe sometimes not the playing minutes that you want. Um, you know, still getting ridiculed on film like everybody else was. And that was dead serious. Like the biggest example for me, my junior and senior year, and I think why Zach and I were successful is because we saw that. And it's funny to think about. I just made the connection. Like CJ was a little more fiery. He, he was always like fidgety. I always picture him as like being on caffeine all the time. And you were just like, hey, I'm Dave. Like, I'm here, man. I'm, I'm showing up. And like, I was more like you and CJ is more like Zach. Yeah. And that contrast um is needed it was yeah. needed but but at the same time you guys showed up every single day so i want to personally thank you i've never thanked you for that and oh, i just I, I don't i don't know why i haven't because that's ridiculous that i haven't but like looking back like that was the biggest example for me so i really really do appreciate that i don't know if you can accept compliments like that but i'm being oh, dead man. serious amen well i thank you for that and, and again i can't even i can't even take credit for it because cj was doing it before me like I remember uh, the first year I got on the team and, and CJ um, isn't playing. Like he's a transfer. Like he cannot play a basketball game. Mm -hmm. And this dude is like talking and I'm like, CJ, shut, shut up. Please, please shut up. And he would not, he did not care. He did not care. He thought that was the right thing to do. And he wasn't going to change who he was because you thought differently. Yep. And so when it got to my opportunity to lead, all I had to do is like, look, look right there and be like, okay, he is the same person, no matter what people say. And I was like, I'm going to do the exact same thing. I'm going to be me. I'm going to say stuff that needs to be said. And I'm going to be selfless. Like, and so he, so I, you thank me. I, I thank CJ. I love that. I love that. I, that train, it, it builds, it just keeps building. That's why they, that's why they're at where they are now. Uh, a funny story about that. <laughs> bringing back memories of CJ, just constantly talking the highest motor of mouth I've, I've seen in a while. Um, but it was a game. We were at Ohio state and Novak hit, uh, what was it? PJ, mm -hmm. PJ something. And he, he elbowed him. He got thrown out. We got back in the locker room. And we're down. We got, I think we got blown out. I don't know. It's, Ohio State was just ridiculous. And CJ just going off on Zach. And CJ is like a, a, a repeater. So he was going off on Zach. He's like, you're going to get suspended. Like, you just messed up. Like, you're suspended. And he said suspended like six times. And about the, set, the sixth time, I don't know where it came from, but I was like, that's enough, CJ. Like, he, he gets it. Okay. He feels bad. Like, leave it alone. And I think it was like, it, it was like CJ didn't realize he was talking. <laughs> he was just going and because it immediately when i said it i felt kind of bad but he like immediately stopped and like yeah. i kind of see it was like oh, okay yeah i'm done like i said what i said but he's but that's true he was just consistent like he and he to a point where it was such a habit where you don't even have to think about it which was yeah. that's the best that's the best kind of good habits you can build although sometimes it comes out like that but that was funny that's hilarious <laughs> that's hilarious yeah i remember you also specifically you never tied your damn shoes no how did you play with your I couldn't tie my shoes tight enough. I don't understand how you play. <laughs> we all looked at you like you were insane. You were the know. shoelace before shoelace. I don't I don't know, man. My my at that point, you know, the things were so big, like you know, oh my the, God. the jerseys, the the everything was big. So it was hard for me as a small guy, you know, to to be fresh out there because everything was oversized. Did I needed to play, I needed to play in this era. This is the uh, era that I needed to play in. I, it, I'm so upset, man. I just, 
in this past two years, I've just learned that I can wear a headband and I don't need to put product in my hair to keep it back. Like I'm wearing tights, you know, you know, clothes that fit me. And I was like, why couldn't I have been born now? Like this would have been so much easier for me because it was uncomfortable. Do you still own the oversized velour suit? Dude, they're like 18 sizes like longer than I can't, I can't even fit anything that I wore back then. It was no. like a medium was like, they actually, they said medium and it was actually the 2XL. They're like, yeah, that's what basketball players like. And it's like, right. no, it's not. It's not, a, I don't want it boot cut going past my heel. It was ridiculous. Um, what did I want to ask you about? Oh, I wanted to get into some fun stuff. We got a little more questions, but nothing crazy. I want to get into some merit goodness, but there's some, uh, some more basketball stuff I want to get into. Okay. Um, the one thing, another just anecdote that I want to give you a compliment on, you gave me literally one of my favorite compliments. It still rings in my head all the time and you won't remember it, but we were in open gym and you know, you, you're a type of player where you're not going to get recognized, you know, by people and you do things and you're like, I just did a, I made a hell of a play and nobody even really cared. So we're in open gym and I catch a rebound and it's like opposite and we're going opposite. And I'm at the free throw line. I take one drill with my left hand and I just kind of one hand shovel pass a left hand, just perfect right in somebody's lap for a layup. And you like had like a mini freak out and you're like, unbelievable. That, that was beautiful. And, and nobody said anything. And you're like, people don't understand that. I, that was just ridiculous skill. And I was like, I really like Dave. Dave's a really nice guy. I really love him. He's cool. And he, and Dave gets it. And I, to this day, like, this is how, insecure my brain is to this day i still love that's one of my favorite compliments i've ever gotten man you 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 were definitely my favorite uh on the team like oh, from, i love you from a from a skill standpoint from <laughs> just a moxie standpoint um you know we were doing our office quotes and everything yep. i still i still tell people like me and Stu's relationship his first year is still special to me it's still special to me same same no we had such like similar demeanors and we laughed the same we were serious but we could be not serious and like yeah. we just had a good combo and it was like an unspoken agreement and i was like oh yeah we you and me we get it so that yeah. was fun yeah. so yeah i yeah. i always cherish that for sure um i wanted to get in some of the merit goodness stuff you know i remember when you started it and and you invited us to a presentation uh, on campus in that auditorium and you were going through it and like, I never like had like a friend or a teammate do this before, you know, oh, Dave's starting a clothing company. Like, what's he doing? Like, everybody does this stuff. Like, you don't know what to expect, but you know, I always believed in you, but you were doing that presentation and I was like, holy hell, like, this is real. Like, this guy is serious. He's put a lot of thought into it. This is like a real thing. This isn't like some guy printing off shirts. Like there's a real message here. How long did that take you? To come up with where did that start and then and then take me through that presentation just how nervous you were to, to start this whole thing yeah i mean it's it's uh still to this day i don't we don't feel like we're where we want to be but sure. it's uh, it's uh it was just a, a blessing from god and you know worked years on it and uh, are still working um and i think what keeps us going what kept us going then what continues to keep us going is just uh, the value that we see in young people uh, here in the city of Detroit. And so even though it's fashion, um, we have other mechanisms, but we just see those as channels. Like we get to create products, we get to create um, programs uh, that really allow young people to 
discover the creativity in, the known, in, their, in themselves to create their own future. Um, and so uh, to this day, um, we have, still have both sides of our organization mm -hmm. on the fashion side. Is yeah, explain it a little bit, because I can't do it as well as you. Explain to the people. Yeah. So on the fashion side, it's Merit. Uh, we donate 20% of our company profits to fund our nonprofit work. Um, and this is our 10th year uh, running a special program here in the city called FATE, um, which is now an eight-year program for high school students in the city, starting in their ninth grade, following through their high school graduation and also their college graduation. Um, and the program is steeped in, in creativity, problem solving, entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. And if the students complete the high school portion, um, we guarantee them up to $8,000 in college scholarships. Um, and currently this year, we're working with about 150 uh, Detroit youth at the current moment. What's been some of the biggest, you know, struggles and success, some, you know, a lot of, you know, give me, go, take me through the ups and downs of this whole process. I'm sure it's been a whirlwind. Yeah, yeah it's very similar to my, my basketball journey. Like <laughs> it's extremely similar. And that's, I think if I didn't have the journey that I had basketball wise, I probably would have quit a long time ago Interesting. Um, because, you know, it is so challenging and it, it is so difficult. Um, you know, we're trying to do things that normally, uh, you know, in school, or I definitely have mentors who tell me not to approach it this way, but we're trying to build two organizations at one time, which is not necessarily recommended. Yes. Um, <laughs> and so, <laughs> At times, it feels like one is being successful, one is not being successful. Um, but what I tell people is, like, I'm going to be doing this long enough to where it's going to work someday. Like, yeah. I'm fully confident it's going to work someday. And then also, like, to just look at the type of impact that we're having with young people on a, on a daily basis and the relationships that we have and, and to know um, how they're being impacted on a daily basis like allows me to get past the challenges and get past the times in which I feel like a failure. We've, we've opened and, th and closed three stores. We had a store in an hour where we had to close it. Uh, we've been at a few malls and had pop-up shops, had to close it. Um, and th at those moments, it's like, man, this is not successful. But you just gotta recenter yourself. Remember why you do what you do. Um, very similar to my basketball experience and like, the more and more you invest in something, um, like it's that much harder to give up. And so we're so invested in young people um, that we'll figure it out. And, and, and we've, we've had success, like we've grown, you know, are uh, now supporting 150 people on the nonprofit side. We don't have a team around like 11 or 12. Um, you know, we're a multi-million dollar uh, nonprofit organization. Um, you know, doing whatever we can, but it's just been this slow process, you know, this walk of faith each, yep. year, each year, you know, doing more and more. Um, so it hasn't been easy, but it's been more than fulfilling. Yeah, no, I can imagine. And you are the, we talked about before, you have the perfect mindset, the perfect story, the perfect experiences, like, you know what it takes. I have zero doubt that you will take it where you want to take it. But what are those future goals? Yeah, so uh, we've got a few big projects that we're working on right now. We've been uh, working on uh, this, uh, we're calling it a holistic life skills uh, training and fitness center uh, across the street from where we are in a Detroit neighborhood. Um, it's taking all of these best practices and like uh, 
uh, sport and play, uh, parks, placemaking, um, retail, and like combining it into this very innovative neighborhood space hmm. um, that uh, you would not expect to be. Um, we live in a neighborhood that's been forgotten and neglected and um, has not received the type of resources uh, that it should receive. And so we're we're doing this project to tell people here in the city of Detroit that this is what you warrant and this is this is what you should be getting. Um, and it's right in your neighborhood where you live. Um, and so we've been working on this project for about four years uh, and uh, our hope is to break ground on it um, in 2022. Um, and so that that's gonna be a, a big part of our, of our future, um, being able to work with countless uh, young people throughout the city of Detroit. It's, I imagine it's frustrating to see the lack of funding and resources year over year. Is there any progress being made there? You know, it seems I could go on and on about public school systems. I have my issues with uh, Indy. You know, I I grew I went to Carmel High School, massive high school. Mm -hmm. I sat next to a $15,000 star projector for my astronomy class. And then I'm reading the paper that like, they can't buy books at, at IPS. And I'm like, yeah. what the hell is going on here? So yeah. is, is there any, is there any progress being made on that end? Or are you just going to keep your head down and keep kind of doing what you're doing? Yeah. Well, at the current moment, um, you know, we're, we're, it's extremely sad and you, you kind of hate that it's like happening out of this environment with COVID, but Mm -hmm. um, with all the money, with the, with the rescue plan, ARPA dollars, and, and um, there's just so much money that states and cities and school systems are going to be getting. Um, the current thought is, is like over the next few years, you're in like a once in a lifetime environment that money may not be the issue. Mm -hmm. Money may not be a challenge. Um, it's going to be more so um, you know, are people going to be utilizing the money in a thoughtful way, in an equitable way, sure. uh, to ensure that these uh, system, systematic and systemic issues are, are being addressed? Um, so people are having a little bit of hope because it appears like money is, is going to be available, um, but still unsure, is it going to be sliced up in a way um, differently than may it, maybe it's been sliced up before? Makes sense. Yeah, it makes efficiency. That makes yeah. that makes a lot of sense. Um, where can people go? Check it out. Where, how can people help? Yeah. Um, and so uh, on the fashion end, our, our website is meritgoodness.com. Uh, just the word merit. Uh, our youth development work, uh, you can see at give merit. Uh, again, the word merit.org. Um, and uh, follow us on social media, Merit Goodness, uh, Fate Detroit. Um, but yeah, we're, we're trying to we need mentors to come in and, and, and help with our, our students, but also, again, as always, raising money so we can go out and, and, and do what we do even more on a bigger scale. Um, so uh, any support is, is greatly appreciated. Definitely. Definitely. Okay. I got three quick hitters, uh, kind of quick hitters before we get you out of here. Appreciate your time. I knew this would go longer than, than I said it would because I, I always love talking to you. But a quick another anecdote between you and me that I forgot about, I wrote it down here. Uh, maybe the only charge I took in my entire college career was in practice and I was guarding you and you drove right. And, and I, <laughs> I like 
basically tripped into getting in front of you mm -hmm. and you just hit me perfectly and I fell down didn't even try and take a charge they call it charge everyone was happy for me and like Beeline always gave me crap about not taking charge especially yeah. compared to Novak who was charged right. king right so I was like okay I'm going to keep my mouth shut not say anything I'm just going to take the praise and move on and you were like this dude didn't even try to take a charge. What are you guys talking about? And like, everyone's clapping and you're like, this is ridiculous. And I was like, Dave, I'm sorry, man. I got to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> I got to take it because charges were that important. You knew that. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, I wish I could go back, man. Oh, that was fun. Man, I I just, I am the, have the worst memory, but reliving this, that year was a lot of fun. So much fun. All right, well, three quick hitters a little bit. We'll get into, and then we'll uh, we'll sign off here. Number one, um, the game against Oklahoma, your last game. Take mm -hmm. me through what you were feeling right when the buzzer hit, and then when you, when you got in the locker room, what were your emotions? What were your thoughts? Was it relief? Was it sadness? You know, what was it? It was sadness, but it also was. Um... fulfillment because again like I knew for me personally my career was over but I knew I had I had literally given every ounce out of this 510 160 pound body uh could give like not non-athletic body could give like I had I had literally given it all yep. um and then I can remember we went out to eat with uh you and Shep and Sean and and also it was I felt great because like I felt like I was going to be a part of what you guys were going to accomplish mm -hmm. um I, I felt fulfilled that not only did I get to be a part of that special year but also like just being feeling like you had a piece of what was going to be built moving forward um so although it was sad um I wasn't down because I, I I knew I'd give him my all. That's a that's a hell of a perspective. It took me years, years and years to get that fulfillment from it. So yeah. for you to get that right away, that shows your maturity and your state of mind. Uh, eventually, so you get there. When you average when you average two points, like you don't like I had to have that state of mind. <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. But it's still it's still not easy. I, no matter who you are, it's still not easy. So I'll give you credit there. Okay, real quick hitter, Skeeps or Ricks? Oh, this is the most. Skeeps, Skeeps. Okay, that was the most anybody has thought about it. Wow. But you, you are in line with literally everybody else, so I appreciate that. Okay, last one. What is one thing that you learned at Michigan that you still carry with you to this day? We kind of talked about it, but if you want to yeah, get a different answer. But it, it's going to be from Coach Beeline. Like, literally um, – it, it, it was something that stuck out to me while I was playing for him. And it's something that still sticks out to me doing what we do on a daily basis. Let's get better today. Like you, you can't look at it from a, you know, two year, three year, four year, like break it down. Are you going to give your best and you're going to pay attention to what you are currently doing? Um, and if at the end of the day, I can say, Hey, I got better today. I had a 365, I got better todays, and I'm gonna be much further than I was last year. Um, and it's literally something we talk about still on a daily basis, um, doing what we do. Um, so it, it, it stuck with me and something that I still utilize.
Yeah, you. I feel like I want to run through a brick wall right now talking with you. Is you? I forget how inspiring it was to talk to you. Like you were born to be a leader, and I am like jazzed up now. I feel like I'm gonna go work out. It's like almost seven. You know. You know what's interesting about that? I've always felt, especially up until Michigan, that I was not born to be one. Interesting. Um, and uh, literally looking at CJ, I, I believe that year taught me not to say that you don't have innate skills and abilities, but it's literally the decision to step outside of your comfortability, like to step outside of, of what you want to do naturally. Like, I don't want to come in here and, and motivate people. Like I want to just take a day off. Like, yeah, I, I just want to come in and sit in the corner. Like that's what I want to do. Yeah. But I can't do it because other people need me. So it's literally every single day making the decision that I'm literally going to be someone that I would rather not be because it's better for me to be that way for you in our environment and our team and our organization. Um, and so I think that has been the, the biggest learning experience is like we actually all possess the ability, but are we all willing to make that decision that we'll sacrifice our own well-being for the well-being of other people. That's a very interesting point. My dad taught me very early on, like 90% of life is simply showing up. Mm. And we have this, you know, we have these phrases, you know, talk is cheap, yet we look at leadership as only talking. And like, that's not the case. Like you got to show up and be, be consistent. Yeah. And, and I, it took me a long time to learn that in college. And it seems like it took you a while to learn that. Like, yeah, I can't, <clears throat> I can lead like that. And then yeah. gain the confidence to speak up and motivate yeah. and do all that yeah. stuff. So it's a, yeah. it's a process. People, people will definitely listen to what you say, but more than that, they're going to watch what you do. Yep. Yep. For sure. For sure. Dave, I don't know why I haven't talked to you more. I am one of the worst people connecting now that I'm retired. I'm like two ways, man. It's a two way street. I'm like, what the hell am I doing? I haven't say connected with any Michigan people. So when I get up to Michigan, I want to come see you. I'm definitely want to go to a game. I don't know if I can make the alumni game, but um, I want to get up there and see people and reconnect and, you know, better late than never. So let's do it, man. Appreciate you. I appreciate you, dude. I really appreciate taking the time. This was great. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll down the road, we can get some more, more uh, updates from, from merit and uh, merit goodness. And we can talk some more. Let's do it, man. Go blue. Go blue. Dave, you're the best. 